right, this is Alex here for another Her on the Streets. I'm here with... Uh, Lauren Higdon from the Immune Tolerance Network. So tell us a little bit about your poster. Yeah, so <clears throat> there's a lot. There's actually a lot of information on immune aging that both autoimmune disease and chronic infections can accelerate immune aging so that then your immune age is greater than your chronological age. Right. Um, but what's actually not been studied very much at all is what happens in type 1 diabetes. Right. It's well established for other autoimmune diseases like MS or lupus, but we don't know about type 1 diabetes very much. Like there's, I think, a total of two papers published right. on it at this point. Right. Um, and we also don't know a lot about what happens in children. Mm -hmm. And so those two questions mean like looking at type 1 diabetes studies can be very helpful. Right. And so I did a retrospective analysis on some immune tolerance network studies. So there are two type 1 diabetes studies, title and abate, which were both studies that looked at a, a population ranging from child to young adult who had recent onset of type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. They were treated with different therapies, but both were followed for about a year, two years after treatment. Okay. And as a positive control, I included the study of claim, mm -hmm. which is a multiple sclerosis study, because mm -hmm. that's one of the diseases where we know there's a lot of immune aging happening. Right. And I also included some healthy volunteer data from Bernard Kors lab at Benaroya Research Institute and from immune space mm -hmm. to have a comparison to healthy volunteers. Right. Um, and in my analysis, I looked at memory T cells, which in this case I just broadly defined as T cells that are not naive, so mixture of memory and effector, and I identified CD57 positive cells, which is a marker of immune age. Okay. And. <clears throat> So looking just broadly at the populations, um, the acclaim MS population was the oldest, mm -hmm. with the healthy volunteers being the second oldest and the two type 1 diabetes populations being the youngest. Mm -hmm. Looking at the memory cells, the, um, the age based on memory cells was highest in the MS subjects, um, which is consistent with them being older. And there wasn't a clear difference between the type 1 diabetes mm -hmm. and the healthy volunteers. Okay. And then looking at CD57, which is again my measure of age, the MS patients again had the highest age. Mm -hmm. Comparing the type 1 diabetes to healthy volunteers, they actually had what appeared to be a very similar immune age, okay. which, because the healthy volunteer population is older, mm -hmm. indicates that there is more aging happening in the type 1 diabetes. Right. Um, I then looked at the age of each subject within the study relative to these populations and found that overall there weren't a lot of changes, but memory CD8 T cells did increase mm -hmm. with age in, both, in either disease. Right. Then in each study, because I have samples over two years right. from these people, I looked in place placebo-treated subjects over time and saw the populations were all stable. Mm -hmm. So there's no change happening within the two-year period no. in these populations. But because these are clinical trials, I can also look at drug-treated. Right. And so first I looked, so I next looked at placebo versus treated. Right. And in the overall trend of the um, age population relative study week, there wasn't any statistical difference, but then we actually look 
time point by time point, population by mm. population, there's actually a lot of differences show up that show up, which can which largely fall into three categories. First, the um, in the title study, the subjects at day zero who were treated, those are different from everything else, from the placebo title, from the abate. So those are sticking out mm-hmm. as different at baseline. And within title, looking at each time point, placebo versus treated, those are all different from each other. So treatment is showing up as different in this study. Mm-hmm. And then, now this is the finding, I really don't know how to interpret this one. Right. But abate treated versus title treated is also different. So something to do with the different drugs. Yep. And abate used teplizumab, right? Yes. Abate was teplizumab, title was alephacept. Right. So abate was... Um, anti-CD3, which is going to be depleting T-cells, alephacept anti-CD2, depleting memory T-cells. Right. So, similar mechanism of action, but not identical. And so I think this is showing some of those differences. Mm -hmm. And abate, we didn't actually see any differences here. Right. Placebo versus treated. Okay. And then next, I looked at whether this, um, these CD57 positive cells correlate with C-peptide. And for this, I looked first at baseline, and then at week 52, so halfway through, right. week 104 at the end. And in title, looking at baseline, there's actually more CD57 positive cells when there's higher C-peptide. Right. But it's pretty flat, week 52 and 104, indicating this is a baseline difference. And then after treatment, that's no longer showing up. So the treatment's modulating the cells, that difference is not showing up anymore. And was that expected, or was that kind of... I did not expect that. You did not so. expect it, okay. Yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, in abate, mm-hmm. at baseline, so, so, yeah, so this is divided up responders versus non-responders to the treatment. At, at baseline, the responders and non-responders are looking very different. Um, Incidentally, it actually looks like it might be the inverse from what we saw in title, where higher CD57 is associated with lower C-peptide, which I don't, I don't know what to make of that finding, but it is what it is. But then at week 52, only in the responders, there's higher C-peptide associated with higher CD57, and then there's no correlation again at week 104, indicating there's something in these subjects where after the first round of treatment, they have a change in these cells that then doesn't, is not long-term. Right. Um, yeah, and it's like basically overall, there's some evidence of T-cell aging in these type 1 diabetes individuals. Um, there doesn't seem to be aging during the study course. Mm-hmm. Um, and like from now, what I want to do is follow up with a comparison to stage one and stage two type one diabetes to really get at what's the cause of this, from which point we can hopefully figure out what does this mean for the subjects. So what would the follow-up study kind of look like if you had to outline it a little bit just based off of these results? Yeah, well, I mean, so like the follow-up in stage one and stage two is looking for the same things at those stages and identifying where we see these things happening. Because if we can see it in stage one, it's because of the autoantibody. It's right. because of the auto, autoimmunity because that's the only thing that's shown up wrong there. If right. it shows up at stage two, that might indicate it has to do with the dysglycemia. Right. At which point we can actually start to figure out, okay, what's causing this? Mm-hmm. At which point we could, like, potentially could plan 
clinical trials using senolytics. Right. Like, for example, like if it turns out maybe this is a problem, then that might indicate targeting senescent cells could be a good idea. Right. Or maybe it turns out they're actually protective. Mm. Like, you don't know, like, this baseline increase of CD57 in title suggests maybe they're actually protective, so maybe we want to preserve them. Right. But basically, once we do those, those comparisons, we can identify, okay, either what's a way to clinically target these to deplete them or to preserve them. Is there anything that you've heard in the talks over the past couple of days that might inform or inspire how you approach your next phase of this? Yes, so there was, um, so there was a talk this morning by Todd Brusco where he was looking at basically the immune aging clock in type 1 diabetes. And like I think... I mean, for start, it's exciting because he's have, he's finding similar things, right? That means there's something here to look for. Right. And second, I think, like, it could be a really complimentary way to look at these things. Like, here looking at specific populations, his way looking at the clock. Like, I think, like, if we can, like, ideally if we can look for similar things to see are we finding it in both with our different methods, then that really strengthens it. Would, would you potentially reach out to him to put that idea on the table so you could yeah. coordinate and cooperate? Yeah, so, I've, so I actually have like a little bit of email correspondence with him already. Oh, good. Um, and he stopped by my poster earlier yeah, and he was excited about it. So. That's good. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for talking with us. Yeah.